This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again in studio by Pastor Jim Sebastio. Jim, greetings. Good to be here, man. Thank you, Brian. Always wonderful to have you here in our in our studio, our which studio. is actually uh, my office, yeah. if people want to know. So. This this doubles and triples for a lot of different it things. It does indeed. This, this room, this special sacred space here. So we're going to dive into a topic that um, we have been asked quite a bit about in the last month, and that's why we're kind of leapfrogging this to the front of the lo- list, long list of things we'd like to address in uh, in this in a podcast. Before we do that, a couple of housekeeping things. Number one, uh, I want to ask listeners that if you listen to this regularly, if this podcast has been helpful, will you go to iTunes and write a review? Uh, it, As you know, podcasts, it just helps with podcasts and be able to spread the word to get reviews on iTunes. So I just feel obligated to ask for that. If you're going to leave a bad review, don't go to iTunes and leave. No, just fine. Send that as a personal it's, message it, it, to Brian. That's right. And we can grow from that. But if you're going to officially put it on iTunes, no. Just any review would be great. We'd love to just have the feedback and the connection to iTunes in, in that way if you'll help spread the word. The second thing is that if you would be willing to help Practical Shepherding financially, we're coming to the end of the year, and we don't ask a lot about this uh, throughout the ministry we do, but we try to raise a lot of money at the end of the year to help us know what we can do the next year. And so if you would like to help with that, uh, we've got translation works happening. Uh, we want to record more podcasts. There's more books coming out next year. So there's a lot of exciting things going on. If you want to help with that in any way, go to practicalshepherding.com. There's a donate button right there. And just click there and it will take you to PayPal and you can help us with any gift. You know, this next month especially would be a, a big help. So so there's a couple of housekeeping things. and But we want to dive into the, to the topic. And again, this has become a big topic of conversation. Jim, will you introduce what we're going to talk about today? Certainly, Brian. Uh, we had gone through a few weeks ago and a number of things, trying to write down a future podcast. And one of the things that we had talked about was the issue of church security. And that leapt into national and even international headlines with the uh, shooting in uh, Southern yep. Springs, Texas, just a few weeks ago. The right. horrific uh, situation there and I imagine that a lot of pastors uh, were asked in the uh, weeks the days and weeks following what are we doing what is our plan do we have a plan is there anything we uh, have done are doing uh, what do we need to do how do we think through this as a congregation uh, uh, how high ought it to be on our list of priorities when we think mm-hmm. about the gathering of the people of God together I can imagine for a lot of us it's not something that we generally think about. It's not one of the uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 things we might have in our mind as we gather together on the Lord's Day. And I would imagine that for most of us, uh, we have generally thanked the Lord for living in a nation where we can gather together in peace and security. Mm-hmm. I think generally we mean that in terms of government interference, but now we have to recognize that it, our, our concern right now might not be that the stormtroopers of the government or the, the uh, jackbooted thugs are going to uh, kick down our door, but mm-hmm. that something's going to happen and uh, something that could have extremely tragic results, such as what we saw just a, a few weeks ago. Right. Uh, Brian, tell your story because something happened to your congregation that very day and right. uh, perhaps how that's challenged you all to think through some of these matters. Yeah, it was interesting. We that, that particular so we're talking about a month ago, I guess, right, when that Texas shooting happened. Yes. And that Sunday I'd preached I'm pre- preaching through Romans. Uh, 
and I preached and we we're singing the final hymn. And during the sermon, uh, what looked like a, a homeless woman had walked in. She was carrying a, bag, a garbage bag over her shoulder. Our deacons were in the back trying to help her just come sit and be a part of the service. She clearly could tell something wasn't right, uh, probably some mental illness that was going on, which we we are uh, able to, to try to minister to often in our area, the area that we're in. I get done preaching and she's hasn't been real distracting. She's moving around and sitting here and then moving here, and, and that was fine. But I'm standing down front with face with the congregation facing forward during the final hymn, and all of a sudden I see her walk in front of me. And I'm thinking she's coming maybe to come just stand next to me or whatever. All of a sudden I look over, and she's facing the congregation. She has this bag over her shoulder, and she starts shouting at the whole church. And I'm right there, so I can hear what she's saying. She's She's shouting, basically renouncing everything that I had, trying to renounce what I had said about Jesus you're, and about the gospel and my exegetical in, in my sermon. She, she was so that was just kind of shocking. And as soon as I heard, within the second sentence, I heard that she was doing that. I went up and and gently grabbed her to to escort her out, and I did mm-hmm. that. A deacon met me halfway back. But what was really creepy is that, uh, like again, I think she was a homeless woman, probably mentally ill. But when she spoke, it had just a very uh, it pe- church members who heard it. It sounded demonic in the way she's wow. she just sounded uh, had right. a very groggly voice. Those kind of things, just kind of a you felt the spiritual implications of that, even though you didn't know what was going on. I went up and closed the service out, and uh, and we went and we left, and we all went to lunch and did our thing. And when I checked the news, what was the day that we found out that? that Texas shooting had happened. Right. And it kind of just caused this shockwave to go through our church. Yeah. And it brought all this conversation among the, our leaders like, okay, how would we, should we have handled that differently? And this is an older lady. She had a bag over her shoulder standing in front of the church. Now, you know, if she had a gun and pulled it out of the, the bag, this could be just disastrous. Right. And I had let it get to that point because I, she didn't seem like a big threat violently right. in that way. So, if that was a man, if that was a thirty-year-old man walked up with a bag, I hope I probably would have been on top of that a little bit more. But it did cause us to say, you know, we need to have these conversations and make sure that our that we've taken all the measures we can. To, to, because not not to sound insulting, but it would sound like you you didn't have any kind of plan in place. You didn't have any people right. identified as protectors, as helpers. What do we do? Well, we did, but but everybody's guard was down. You could tell. Like okay. so so we had guys who were working with her. I was able to take her straight to a deacon who saw what was going on. Okay. Uh, so we do have those things in place, but I think because no nothing had happened any time recently before that, our guards down and we just weren't we weren't ready. And so I think that um, that allowed us to have a conversation, say, okay, we need to regularly be remember our pro- policies and processes that we have put in place. So so Jim, what is the what do you think the the theological issues are around this? Because we're in America, we we like comfort and security. We think yeah. this is a virtue. We even think it's a right. And and I think we have to remember that many Christians around the world don't have the same luxury. So where's the balance that we need to find as we have this conversation about we need to keep our people safe the best right. we can. And yet where is it that it's 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 part of the call to take up our cross? to take risks for the sake of the gospel, whatever that may mean. Right. So these are very difficult situations. So let let me just try to real quickly touch on a few of these things. I do think we need to recognize that the issue of of peace and security is is a general 
human desire. And when we are told, for instance, in 1 Timothy 2, to pray for kings and rulers and those in authority, it is so that we could lead quiet and peaceable lives. Right. And so the idea is one of the reasons why we're thankful for things like government is that they bear the sword so that they can deal with evildoers. Right. And the fact that evildoers are dealt with and not allowed simply to run the streets with you know, guns firing or in the ancient world, uh, blades uh, out and swinging and that somebody is assigned with the right to take them down means that you can run your business. It means you can go about and, you know, do your baking and do your cooking and do your cleaning and raise your kids and go to school and things like that. It is it is the reality that there are there are people bearing a sword on our behalf. Mm-hmm. That the whole issue of, of tranquility and peace allows you simply to be able to live and to gather. We're not having to drive through a war zone. And again, I recognize some people are having to do those things. So, um, Which is connected, by the way, to the passages that talk about us as Christians submitting to authorities. Right, and, exactly and, right. So, yeah. to be, you know, so those passages are related to the fact that we that we crave and need and desire uh, security that comes via the sword, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, now we could take that to an extreme and some obviously have taken that to an extreme, but it's not unspiritual to think in terms of, of those who, who bear a means of violence, if you want to put it that way, in order to be able to protect us and that that protection allows us to, to live our normal lives, to be able to do what, what we are doing, that evil is kept in check uh, by means of the threat of consequence. Um, so that's why evil men don't do all that they want to do or could do, uh, because there is the possibility, the very real possibility, they're going to be taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that matters. So that what I'm trying to get at, Brian, broadly speaking, is that the Bible teaches that that matters. Uh, and even you, know, you could, we could take some time and even exegete the circumstances <coughs> and situations of our Lord's dealings with the disciples as he sends them out into the world. In one case, in the first case, without sword and but then the, but then later in the gospel of Luke they say you know they have two swords and Jesus says that's sufficient so I mean there's an issue of okay in some of the places you're going to go you all you all might need to take a general precaution I mean Paul talks about being among robbers um, in, in his travels and in that you know there were security issues beyond his regular persecution there were other somebody that might come and try to you know take his life and is it ever right to uh to take means to protect yourself and to preserve yourself is there a biblical doctrine of self-preservation and the the puritans and others tied that in to the sixth commandment you shall not murder and the general uh, catechism answer uh, to the question is what does that commandment teach us is that we should do all things necessary to preserve our lives and the lives of others. And, and, and so that there is a spiritual element to this matter of, of protection that I think is seen in Scripture and throughout church history. Well, and we, we also have to recognize that, you know, I've seen this in churches in the States all the time, and that's this idea of comfort and security keeps Christians from taking rightful risks to spread the gospel and be light in, in dark places. Right. So it, this idea of security can go overboard to where 
uh, people won't be willing to go into certain neighborhoods and to do ministry right. in certain places, and so or certain parts of the world. I, I or have, certain parts I of have, the world. I have two friends uh, that were killed in Pakistan uh, by some Muslims there, and they they had started a church. Yeah. And the husband and wife were murdered, tortured, and murdered. Wow. In their home. I mean, that I mean that's that's the other thing is that that is that is a real part of so many Christians' lives right. throughout the world. So we want to recognize we want to first caution people when there's a shooting in Texas and how horrific that is. Even for us, when we had a, a scary moment of of just someone coming and, and disrupting the service, like they, right. we had, we we've got to be careful to evaluate our process to to keep our people as safe as possible. And at the same time, we want to recognize that we don't want this to make us pull back and not be gospel light. Right, to our there, there are greater gospel issues that right. even include sometimes that laying down of your life, and and even to ask, and we'll maybe get into this. At what point, you know, how quick are you if if you know to be on the trigger? Uh, there was a situation uh, here in Louisville recently where a, a fairly prominent churchman at, at a sister congregation here was shot in a robbery attempt you may be aware of that situation Brian. Mm-hmm. Yep. now he pulled a gun uh he he carried a gun in the neighborhood in which he lived he carried a gun and now people who teach you know, how to handle that what he he pulled it and he didn't fire it um and generally what you're taught is you don't pull that gun unless you intend to fire shoot. and if right. you pull it you'd better shoot and he may have pulled it in a threatening way, and he wound up getting killed uh, mm-hmm. as a result of that. Right. And, and, you know, so that raises other questions is um, in regard to matters of, of personal and, and uh, family and, and private security and security when we gather together. <clears throat> There's many areas we could we could go down with this, but I think let's, let's take, because we want to get practical with this, as right. guys, pastors especially trying to think through church process, and security, we just want to be able to first set up the fact that uh, we're we're not advocating that your church now needs to uh, be go overboard and not be the gospel light we're supposed to be. However, we do want to spend the rest of the podcast so talking about practically what can pastors do to think through how to keep a congregation secure and safe from. As as we've seen, a random gunman to come in right. and shoot and kill a bunch of of people who who are blindsided or are not have any way to fight back. Sure. So, Jim, will you talk a little bit about? Because I appreciate how much your church has has does some pretty intentional things. Uh, for let me first say, you all send missionaries to really dangerous parts of the world. Your church is mindful of that gospel light. And right. yet you all take precautions when you gather as a church every Sunday. Will you talk about right. some of those things? Sure. All right. So let me, let me just try to deal with a couple of things generally. And then I, I one area that is on my conscience that we need to deal with. And then, okay. uh, in, in areas where, where we are dealing with something, one area that we need to deal with. So, so let me just say, generally speaking, I think you need to think through your location, you know, where you're located, Brian, right. you're in a very different part of the city that I'm in. And yeah. so you have to think about your your danger might be more in terms of being robbed uh, than in terms of, you know, a gunman coming in and wanting to rob the congregation. I think that's something you all would have to think about probably that we don't. Uh, obviously, people can't see where we are. If you want to Google Earth us and satellite <laughs> us, we're kind of in the middle of a, of a cow field um, in a 
you know, what would be considered a relatively, I mean, at least the houses up from us are very nice yeah. houses. And there's only it's about, more fluent there's area, only about sure. 30 or 40 people that live in this area. We're a little bit isolated. We're, we're down in a little valley. Um, you know, probably this isn't the place people are going to think about uh, in that term. So in some places, you need to think about things like robbery. Some churches need to think about that the greater danger is they're located in a place where it's dangerous even to get to church. <laughs> So I read, I read from a pastor who lives in D.C., and their greater concern is how do we get our members safely to us, you know, that they're, they're in greater danger yeah, that's walking to church than right. being at church. Yeah. So we recognize probably the greatest issue, that the greatest threat and thing you need to be on the alarm out for are two primary areas, and, and one is a matter of domestic dispute. Mm-hmm. So that if you're aware uh, there's an estrangement or a breakdown in a marriage and this woman's husband might be very unstable, that's going to be a much more high alert, high risk situation. Right, right. The other thing is having needing to have some degree of training. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that, some degree of training. And you're going to have folks in your church who think, that needs to be far more than what I'm going to say, and others probably less. Right. You know, so you're going to have some. This is going to be a big issue, and let me just touch touch in. Then it it can also become an issue, you know, a spiritual issue in regard to disagreement and factions in the church about what is an appropriate level. I'm having a meeting on Friday with one of the brothers, who is far more concerned about this issue than I am. And, you know, so the another alarm goes up, okay, how might the enemy want to take advantage of this and bring about... And bring division. And, bring yep. division, mm-hmm. either that, you know, you're an extremist, well, you don't care about safety, you know, that kind of thing that can yep. come about yep. as a result of it. But so some degree of awareness or training in regard to what people look like when they're disturbed. Mm-hmm. Generally, disturbed people look a certain way. All right, so... What we do as a congregation, what we've done for the last couple of years, and it was a change. We didn't used to do anything in, in this regard. So we lock all the doors of access to our, our building, okay? Once the service Once starts. Once the service has started. Okay. We have, prior to Sunday school, after and during Sunday school and between services, we have somebody on duty that watches who's coming in has mm-hmm. a quick access to be able to close or lock the doors if need be now obviously if you saw a guy like this fellow that you know in in texas dressed head to toe in black and uh you know wearing, wearing body a trench, armor wearing a trench coat uh, yeah, maybe and, you're going to begin to think about but yeah. if somebody has some of the signs of looking disturbed you might want to you know meet them outside with the door locked behind you right what that person also does is he patrols during the service. So he walks, and we don't have a huge facility, but through the glassed foyer, glassed-in foyer, and then into the fellowship hall, that includes the nursery. They're walking around uh, during that time, and, and just recently now they are carrying a pager that is connected to two other men, and, and we're going to probably up this to four men. <coughs> Excuse me. In the... In the congregation, that they can buzz instantly, okay, uh, to be able to come out and, and help to evaluate a situation or or to aid um, in a situation. Now, okay. our building is also designed. Now, it's, it's this is code, but we have very clear uh, exits on uh, 
so we have three exits, three points of exit from the uh, from the sanctuary uh, in the rear, and then uh, one on uh, you know to the sides okay. uh, of the congregation that are clearly marked. I, I believe that congregation in Texas had only. You know, something uh, they may have only had one access. An older church, an that older was, church. That's word deal. We have an older church, so the right. the way the buildings built and the doors are situated is not as user friendly in that way as it would be for you guys. Um, so we have that. We do also. This is the good old land of Kentucky, land of concealed carry. We do have several men uh, in the congregation. Uh, one of the men, uh, at least every Lord's Day morning sits in the rear and the way again our building is designed they would not be easily seen by anybody entering into the sanctuary okay but we have a man in the front we generally have a, a, a man in the back of the congregation we usually have a man in the front of the congregation uh who's armed and then from what i understand there's i mean i, I don't honestly know how many others are uh, but i think we have several others now that brings with it some degree of uh, potential for confusion and danger with that that you also need to think through, right? And, and so this is an area where, again, I realize that we have had some failing in and in, in, in need to to deal with, and that is we need to have some way, and whether you do it, you know, twice a year or however often, that you have some kind of congregational meeting in which people understand, um, okay, in case something should happen. This is what we are doing. We lock these doors. We have somebody patrolling. Right. We have two to four men in here that have that are able to be immediately contacted in the case to help evaluate a situation or you know what we've also talked about is having two men patrol. Right. Uh, so two men patrol and four men, you know, that are ready to help out. We do have at least two men uh, you know in our situation that are armed. For most situations, that is um, that's quite sufficient. And then also to tell the congregation, these are the points of exit. You need to talk to your family about, you know, where you're going to gather once you run out of this building. Yeah. yeah. So where is your meeting place? Just like you know, you're encouraged to do in your home in, in case of a fire. Right. Uh, how do you get out of here, and where do we all meet in case of a fire? Oh, that's good. Um, so that you have what are called, if I've used this expression, um, but you have an extremely low probability. Yeah. And the and the statistics are that you have a point zero 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 seven nine percent chance of being involved in a shooting in a in a church. Right. When, the, when it happens, low, so it's low probability, but it's very high risk. Right. So when it happens, we all of a sudden think this is going to happen to us. But I mean, we, but we also, you know, we have to keep in mind that um, it's it's so rare. But it right. doesn't feel that way when you see how tragic right. one situation is on the news, and as 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 it shouldn't be. So and, and so, one other area that I might recommend, or two other areas that I might recommend. One is if you don't you don't necessarily need to have armed men, but you, but what you ought to do is have a group of men in the congregation strategically located who are in a sense, willing to lay down their lives. And that Mm -hmm. is, they are going to be the guys who approach pig pile, throw a hymnal. There's all kinds of things you can do to get a guy off his game. Would love to see a hymnal because somebody just, well, Hey, and this may be a good reason why you should have hymnals, right? Instead of having to reach out and grab the hymnals and so do you just, right. Just but short advocation for supplemental, use the bigger hymnal. Yeah. The heavier version. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. But you know, but seriously to be able to think through what, what these guys generally want 
what gunmen generally want is everybody to act like a scared sheep. Yeah. If somebody stands up and somebody is willing to fire back, I think we've all seen some videos, and on some level maybe they look funny. A group of guys come in to rob a place, and they're all, you know, they're the toughest, you know, guys in the world until somebody pulls a gun on them, and then yeah. they, they're they wetting themselves and screaming yeah. like schoolgirls. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, you they're expecting no resistance. To have the resistance of of recognizing some of us are going to be hurt and some of us might die, but I got to be willing to do that. So I'm going to sit in a situation, or excuse me, be situated in such a case that I can involve myself uh, in that situation. I think that's something that every congregation um, can do at least that much. Now what you might want to do and what I'm in contact with a friend of mine who is a big wig in, in one of the local police departments is to come and address the congregation just on some of these issues. Yeah. And some of this is to settle people's minds, you know, to let the congregation know it's on our radar. We've thought through things that we are hopeful that you can gather here and not have this be a big fear as you gather. You want to be able, you're coming to be able to concentrate on the Word of God. You're coming to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're coming to love your brethren as Christ has, has, has loved them. You want to be engaged. There's all kinds of things you want to be able to do on the Lord's Day and not constantly be you know, reaching under your jacket for your, your gun in case you have to. you know. But we live in a fallen world. There is a remote possibility, but but we're not in a situation where there is no possibility. Well, Jim, so let me recap what you've said then. So bullet points, if you're a pastor listening to this, until the shooting happened a month ago, you hadn't even thought about this. Right. So just some main key areas is to have someone, have, have somebody patrolling their job for that Sunday right. is to patrol and walk around and be aware of what's going on and... Uh, which we have at our church, we don't have the the pager idea is actually a good idea. I, did, I hadn't thought of that, but to make sure that these guys have a way of communicating with each other. And there's somebody just aware to receive a situation. And since like we dealt with a month ago, which we had a guy in the back who started dealing with that situation. And so having at least a few leaders and somebody appointed is is very helpful. The other piece we're talking about is is to have is whether to have someone who is uh, who is armed in the church and can deal with the situation if it would turn, you know, really bad. I think the question we're not going to ha- we have no desire to get into gun control conversations at all with this. So, right. Um, but you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot in regard to this is one: Is anybody armed in your church? And two: Does the congregation know about it? And and I would say that that's something you just I think you have to feel out. I. We we as well we have maybe a couple of of men that that the elders know are carrying. We know they have been trained. We're comfortable with them doing that. Obviously, there may be somebody else that we don't know about because of. But it we have wanted somebody who's trained at least a couple of people in the congregation who are members who are armed, and we can we can trust with that if a situation did yeah. turn that way. So. Brian, obviously the, the you, you emphasize on, on and I do want to say something about this and then maybe add one other quick thing. The issue of being trained. The fact that a man has gotten a concealed carry does not mean he's trained or True. that he's well trained. That's right. We also have to recognize that you, you can go through a thousand different scenarios uh, in in a classroom about this or that. 
But buddy, when the adrenaline's flowing, um, I, I, I don't have time to tell the story, but I, yeah. I had a situation years ago where I was walking with somebody, turned around and saw a car coming at them. And what I would have always pictured myself, you know, hero, here I come to save the... I, I, I was completely paralyzed. Just froze, My huh? body just yeah. froze. Yep. And so you don't know. You know, you, you think you're going to be Clint Eastwood and grid make my day. And really what happens is, you know, you soil yourself. Yeah. You Nobody just, knows you what's going to happen You don't know. Yep. You just don't know um, in that situation. Brian, another possibility, and some of our sister churches do this, is, is they have... They have made the conscious step of hiring security. In larger churches, that happens. You have, you know, southeast here in our. Mm-hmm. I know that you have undercover men like uh, like the governor's, you know, personal detail uh, at Emmanuel. Uh, they have hired a policeman, and I don't know if he just parks the car out front. But somebody walking by, thinking about I'm going to do something. Yeah, that's they, they that's see, a you know, smart that, thing that's to do, something right? You can do. You can yeah. hire an officer. That's a good idea. Police officer, forty bucks a service. Yeah, most and, of the big and, churches I know do that now, which is so that's you that can afford to do it. Possibility. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I run into problems with that, and some I think, well, what if I wanted to invite that guy to church? You know, I mean, those are those kinds <laughs> of situations. Um, but I think to some degree, our folks need to know that we we have thought through and our, we're not just shrugging our shoulders and I don't know. Right. But what I've needed to do, and because in some of these things we've not, we, you know, most of the congregation or some of the congregation knows this, we've not had a particular congregational meeting on safety where we're going through what we are doing and what we encourage. Uh, so we haven't done that and that's something I think probably we, maybe all of us need to do. Yeah. At least a heads of household discussion uh, and again, because you may have some on the far right, we might call it, it, it could get into a, a bit of a knockdown drag out if you made it a public. So maybe it needs no. to be a heads of household, but you need to, you need as leaders to have worked through and have an identified policy and maybe a published policy that the congregation has access to. Last thing I'll mention as we wrap this up is that um, if, if you're a pastor listening to this, most of us are reactive about these things. And so my encouragement to you would be to take what's happened and then use this as a, as a way to talk about your policy and your process and who you want to get in place. And this is not just security and guarding from things happening in your service. Like you need to be regularly informing the church how, and how you are keeping the children safe in the nursery. Right. And it, there's just all kinds of different aspects of that. So you need to just make it a point as a pastor to be informing the congregation of these things, and let's not be reactive, but have regular times where we're where we're doing that. And so, take advantage of that as we, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because, but there's many obviously different directions we could go. We just wanted to lay a couple of basic ideas before you to help you think about it, and feel free to write us, uh, and um, we can dialogue with you more about it if you would like at practicalshepherding.com. Uh, Jim, would you uh, just take a minute and pray for? Pastors have wisdom and discernment as we seek to keep our, our congregation safe, but also to carry out the Great Commission and the call that God has on our lives. So. Our Father in Heaven, we thank you for uh, this time to have this discussion, and we do recognize that we're dealing with, with issues that are frightening and, and volatile, uh, even in our own congregations, and that the possibility for disagreement and even the possibility to withdraw 
uh, from the world and not hold out our hand to those in need to, to begin to view people with undue suspicion. Uh, but also, Father, to protect those entrusted to our care that we are we're husbands and fathers and we want to watch over our women and children and the men of our congregation. So, Father, we pray for help and wisdom. We pray, Father, that you would give to us um, that ability to be uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we, as, as we labor, even as those who are ultimately called as sheep to the slaughter. Father, we recognize that you call us to, to self-denial, um, but Father, help us even as we uh, contemplate um, carrying out our gospel mandate with wisdom uh, and to do so in a way that allows our people to gather safely. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.